0: Living Wisely, Living Well, December twelfth. Include the success of others in your efforts to succeed yourself. Better a stream that makes green a whole valley than an oasis surrounded by vast stretches of sand. It's very, just such a sweet and generous way to think. This whole book is just not, you know, sort of your ordinary self-help book. This is about starting from the basic premise that we are a part of all that is, and that we are always celebrating our greater reality instead of affirming our lesser reality. It's a, it's a very fundamental shift in the way that we approach our lives. And if, this book is a collection of specific ideas, but all of them, if you, if you look at them, all of them are directed toward uh, re- recreating a sense of self, and and creating a sense of self, I would say realizing is actually the right word, because it is the reality that's there that we ourselves simply become aware of. The word realization is an incredibly important word in this context, because it isn't something, we often think about achievement, we achieve something we, or uh, manifest something or whatever it might be. But what we're trying to do with ourselves is we're trying to actually understand who am I. And we are a part of a greater reality. If we look at the ailments of our culture at this time, which are extremely pronounced in this year 2020 when these uh, are being recorded, um, they're extremely pronounced. They seem to be extremely complicated and interwoven, and every issue that we approach is a, an incredibly snarled ball of involvement with every other issue, but there's a fundamental false premise behind everything that is that ails our society at this time. And this is that I, as an individual ego, am separate, am, am not part of a greater reality. But my individual ego is my reality, and my responsibility is to please it and protect it, to please and protect my individual ego. Whereas the actual living reality of the planet that we're on is that we're all one vast interconnected web of consciousness. And we are a part of all that is, as how Swami put it poetically enough, the Festival of Light, the ritual that he wrote, we are part of a greater reality and our responsibility is not just to please and protect our one ego, but to use our individual power, our talents, our awareness, our compassion, to reach out from wherever we stand, to uplift, to care for, to please and protect, although please is perhaps not the right word, but to offer goodness and light to in as far a circle as we're able to reach. And if the whole planet lived that way, because it also comes down to simple questions like, how much is enough? Just how much is enough? I know a friend of mine who was a high school student, a high school teacher, he did an exercise for his class, just this was decades ago, to help them understand the distribution of resources on the planet. And he brought in a huge pile of candy, a huge pile of uh, candy bars that the children really wanted. And then he divided the um, the classroom up, and the details are not exact in my mind, but it was something like, you know, and every, every person, a, a certain number of nations or a certain category of nations, certain continents, and the candy bars were the resources of the world, and the richest, most uh, um, you know, most abundant nations. Those children first came, and they counted out all the candy bars that belonged to them, and then the whole class watched as 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 a few nations in the world swept off all the resources, and then there was lit smaller and smaller and smaller amounts left, you know, until. What would be considered the undeveloped nations of the world, or however you would call it, they got literally practically nothing. So you see, some one person representing the USA or Switzerland or some other country like that holding more candy than they could ever consume. And you see a large crowd over here, you know, trying to take one candy bar and dividing it into pieces. Now, I believe in karma. I don't think if we're born in America we need to feel guilty about the abundance of our country on the other side of it the country as a whole has good karma and even though we've made some very serious errors that need to be corrected now nonetheless the wealth of the country has also been because of our tremendous efforts and our generosity and our nobility of character it has to be said the Amer- America is one of the only countries in the world, I believe the only, that that defeats a country in war when the war was started by someone else and then dedicates itself to rebuilding that country. I mean, that's an extraordinary attitude to have. And until recent times, it has been the attitude of this country. So abundance is not a mystery. It's also part of the divine law. But at this time, at this point in history, at this extraordinarily critical juncture, where in many ways the future of the whole planet is really teetering in the balance, but far more importantly, the individual um, well-being, and I don't just mean the comfort and the pleasure, but the deep well-being, the well-being that lasts long beyond this little world that we're living in now, long, be- long beyond this little ego that we're trying so hard to protect and please. You know, the, the eternal self, which, of which this little life and world is just the tiniest chapter. I, you may have heard me speak before of a friend of mine. Her name was Bella. She died relatively young, I believe in her 40s, of cancer. It was a family... Um, It was a family karma. Her mother died. She died. Later, her sister died uh, in their 40s, maybe in their 50s, all of the same kind of cancer. So it was not a surprise to her. But she was a very, very deeply spiritual person and a profoundly courageous one. And when she was in the last days of her life, she was literally lying on her deathbed. You know, the there there reaches a point and I've I've been privileged to to walk with some of my friends through these last days. There comes a point where literally your body is so weakened and so non functional that you simply lie down and you do not get up. This comes that colorful but very true phrase, your deathbed. It's the bed that you're on and you will die there. You will never get up from it. So she was literally on her deathbed. And she was completely conscious. She'd made a very conscious decision about about what treatment she would accept, what not, and what the results would be, and how long she would live and how she would die. So she was just living through the last hours. And she told a friend, she said, as I lie here, she said, I see thousands of faces before my eyes. I mean, just picture that for a moment. There she is in her body. She was a very attractive woman. She, even to the end, she remained very attractive and she was an artist and actually she was a fashion designer. So she had a a tremendous flair about being herself. And so she was there and she knew that she would never get up from there and that it was over. And she said she was seeing all these faces come in front of her. She was having visions of the other world and she said to her friend she said every one of those faces was my own in one incarnation or another now just think about that think about when you look in the mirror every day and you look at this face you know i i always it's taken me a long time this face has ne- never looked like my own face to me i've gotten used to the fact that i recognize it naturally i see photographs i see it on video i i know it's me but it's never really felt like me. Partly, I think my skin should be darker. And when I actually see, when I went to India, and even when I see Africans, they look more normal to me than this looks to me, but so be it. But the, she was lying there, and she was seeing all these, um, all these faces, and every one of them had been as deeply herself as the face she was wearing. Now already of course she's far removed from the reality of the person she had been being Bella up into that point because her body and her body and spirit were very separated and there was just you know just a very thin thread between her and her body and she was watching it fray like this but she said looking at all those faces she said, it's very hard to be concerned, and she sort of pointed or indicated the one, I don't know if she could still raise her arm, she indicated the one she was still wearing. She said, it's very hard to be concerned about losing this one. And now that's one way to look at it, that's one way to think about it, which is we ourselves have just been so many different souls, and not souls, so many different bodies, in so many incarnations, in so many countries, in so many cultures. You know, this this idea of just drawing this little fence and trying to protect and please this little one, it becomes ludicrous, especially if you think about the lack of reality of time. So Swami just, he keeps giving us, we're trying to approach this huge profound revolution of consciousness in which I am just a bubble in the vast ocean of infinity moving in this particular river you know, and encouraging, Swami's encouraging us to stretch out our arms and move in the whole river instead of contracting ourselves and trying to just keep this one little one safe. Swamiji talks about the time he brought uh, some friends from Italy, um, and he it, the group went to Disneyland, because of course Disneyland is very famous, and And the father of the family, who was who had taken very good care of his children and his wife, his whole life, and had a very protective sense, they went on one of the rides, which was boats, and there were boats in this waterway, and you had a steering wheel, and you had sort of the illusion that you were steering, but it was really intended for children, you know, that they could sit there and act like they were steering. Because it wasn't, they weren't bumper cars. The boats weren't free. The boats would go in what sort of felt like a, a free pattern, but in fact they were on a track and they were being moved. But he just didn't realize that. And he felt he had to, as if he were driving a car, just be in charge of his boat, you know, and he didn't want to be distracted by anybody calling to him from another boat because he had to keep his boat, you know, from tipping over the father's responsibility. I mean, of course. He gradually realized that he was being tricked and was very good humored about having played it a little bit foolishly. But that's us. That's us, friends. We have this idea that we have to protect and please this one little one, and we think we're actually separate. We're as in fact we're part of this great river of consciousness. And we do have to make decisions. You know, there are times when we have to decide. And it appears as though our decisions really have an effect on us. But if we stand back just a little bit, we see this great, you know, uh, what I would call it, I would call it field of karma, this great magnetic force, the wind, the wind of spirit, which is, which is moving us. And yes, within that, we can change our costume and we can choose a different color and we can fix our hair a little differently. But when we do that in this tiny field, or whether we do that, you know, even as I move my hand, as one great saint said, as I move my hand, Christ moves who is my hand. You know, that's just such a completely different way of living than the unfortunate one that most choose. So Swami gives us just such simple advice here, so little. Include the success of others in your efforts to succeed yourself better a stream that makes green a whole valley than an oasis surrounded by vast stretches of sand. Joy to you, my friends.